Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Um, Dave's smiling already, I don't know why. Must have been something that I said. Um, we are a man down today, man down. Um, Andy is off on his jollies in the Czech Republic and left us, uh, us poor people behind in, in the UK. Um, so we are joined by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Uh, good evening. Just making sure checking what time it was um, as we were recording this. Yes, good evening. And good evening, Griff. Yes, don't forget, Griff. Griff, how are we today? You're right. I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. Do you know what I say? I say this every week, but I love it how Griff always asks me how I am. It's, I don't care. The, it is. The, I don't. Well, this is the this is the thing. This is why you you laugh at me when I start the podcast, and Griff's just. Asks me how I am because he's a kind person. I am kind. You've got to be cruel to be kind. There's no answer to that. Um, <laughs> so it's been a bit of a um, it's been a bit of an up and down couple of weeks in terms of results. Um, apologies that we didn't do a podcast last week. We had a couple of us that weren't available uh, and decided actually to be fair there wasn't a great deal that had gone on as well, so it played into our hands a little bit in terms of that. Um, however, over the last couple of weeks, we have to say, firstly, Dave reached his goal. He's yes. proved that if you say something enough times, it will eventually be correct. Uh, I did. The Steelers, on the Sunday, beat Dundee in overtime. Uh, the fact that they threw away a 4-1 lead is not the point. The point is that we won in overtime. Um, Cardiff lost two this weekend, came away with zero points. Neil Poach, Um and, yeah, Manchester got a nice win against Belfast as well. So, Greff broke his tradition. Um, it was the week before when Greff decided that if he said Manchester, if he went against Manchester, they would win. And then uh, the last podcast, Greff guessed Manchester to beat Sheffield and Belfast to beat Manchester. And you guessed it, it went the other way around. Um, Dave, how do we feel about, uh, about the... the you know the, the final success of saying Steelers to win in overtime. You you invest in a product and when it finally pays off, it's just a great feeling. Um, it's it's my hockey highlights. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, is it, it going to then develop into? Um, is it is it then going to develop into sh- a shootout and then we go we go until we get a shootout? It could do. You know the the possibilities are endless, my friend. Um, but yeah, I think the first, in fairness, I think the first two we were just saying it for, for the sake of saying it. Um, I, I think that was probably the one I genuinely did think would go into overtime, um, just because Sheffield have not been playing well at all on the Sunday. Um, but yeah, we got one right. We're we happy. did. We're happy. We, we actually got, got quite good stats last week. I think it was uh, it was Gref trailing on six, uh, me and. Andy on seven and Dave on eight out of ten. So we're sticking around 70%. That is good going, guys. I have to say hats off to everybody on that. Me and Dave actually were 100% on the Saturday uh, following the last podcast. So un- unseen, absolutely unheard of. Um, we'll, get, we'll get back on topic. Um, what were your highlights over the last couple of weeks, gents? I, my highlight is, is one person's performance um, that I was... I'm going to say privilege to see. Tra- uh, Thank you, Travis. Mate. I'm really, and that really means a lot to me. Do you know what? You haven't played a game this season yet, though, so far. And in fairness, if you had, you still wouldn't be the highlight. What I was just about to say. Um, there's, there's no need to. Okay, carry on as you were. I will do. Thank you. Um, but Travis Fullerton, <laughs> um, what a superb uh, netmining performance. Probably for me, one of the best away performances from a goalie that Sheffield will see for some time. 
He were outstanding. He not only kept up in the game where you see teams get outshot and, and the goal is played, but he was giving them the chance. He was you know, he kept them in 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 that position where they had you know Guildford are a good side again, and Fullerton just played out his game. Some of the saves he made, the one that made the the elite leagues top four saves, which was an outstanding save. Um, amongst many that I felt he, he did, and he also he got involved in the game. He threw the the, the glove and the blocker, and he got the crowd riled up. I, you know, um, it but was booed when he won that of the match. Yeah, it was booed. I mean, and I, I, yeah, less said about that the better. Um, you know, that's just hockey mentality for you sometimes. But as a performance from a netminder going into a building, Sheffield won't see it as good as for some time. I, I don't think anyway. If you do. We're going to be in for treat. But that, that's my highlight um, over the past two weeks. Yeah, I think my highlight, you probably wouldn't think it'd be the Storm beating Belfast, but I'm going to go somewhere different. Breaking news, Homer Greth moves out. Exactly. Evicted. <laughs> Evicted. <laughs> He's, he might be now. <laughs> Greth, you're no longer working for the Storm, mate. <laughs> uh, it was a good while it lasted. <laughs> You're going to move to Sheffield anyway, we all know it, so... Apparently. Sorry, go on. Uh, my highlight is the unfortunate dealings that Cardiff had at the weekend, shipping 11 goals and only scoring three. Considering the how well Cardiff have done in the CHL so far and then how well they've done the past few seasons... I don't think anyone in the Elite League would have thought that would have happened. Especially when they played Glasgow, who the week before were pretty pretty disastrously poor. And you saw them in, in Fitz's interviews and how poor they were. But then, obviously... I don't even think you can really call that an interview. It was... <laughs> That was amazing. <laughs> like a, like a, a vine. Barasso, Barasso said more when he did turn up. <laughs> <laughs> you say it best when you say nothing at all, apparently. Oh, God. <laughs> and the less said about that, the better. How, how ironic. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. Um, I have to say... Um, my highlight kind of links into yours because it's kind of linked to the dominant performance that, that Glasgow put in over two games. Um, they beat Belf- they beat Cardiff. I think they banged in three or four within about six to seven minutes. Uh, and then they go to Sheffield. They did the exact same thing. First six minutes of the game and Sheffield are down 3-0. Uh, by the end of the first period, they're down by four. Um, a lot of positives and negatives. I think the reason this is my highlight is because there are a lot of positives and negatives for both teams involved in that. Because on one hand, Steelers shipped three goals in six minutes, four goals in a period, and, and ended the first period 4-0. I mean, if there's anything about setting yourself a task, um, <laughs> that would, I think, certainly fall into that definition. Um, so obviously a big negative for Sheffield there and a big positive for Glasgow to come out of the gate so quickly on the road. The flip side to that for me is... Glasgow were then shut out for two periods and let the Steelers very nearly back in. I think I, I think another two minutes, Dave. I mean, you were there. Another two minutes in that game, and I think that they're going to go. I'd agree with that. Um, you know, Glasgow played. You know, fair play. Glasgow played superb in, in 
two big results in, in two buildings that they struggled last year, um, apart from a couple of games in Sheffield where they really ship uh, scored a fair few goals but uh um six one I think wasn't one of them. I think it was six well, no it was six one twice weren't it something like that. Wasn't that like Aaron Fox's first first game watching the Steelers when we lost Yeah it were it were so uh, um, so you know huge credit to Glasgow um, but yeah I'd say you know two minutes because they literally just Sheffield just went the kitchen sink and everything um, if I'm honest I, I, I even felt before Brockler stopped the penalty at the end I even thought then there's still a chance maybe with two seconds to go equaliser because the pressure was constant um, and they, they held out Colleen did his job um, and, and what can you say um, yeah. if, if you're going to go to, to get them type of results probably your goal has to be your best player and I think you were man of the match on both nights mm, Killeen showed this weekend why I wanted him to sign in Sheffield at the end of last season uh, he was he was outstanding he, he was good no he, he was good um, not as good as Fullerton no but, no, no but he, he, Fullerton but he, he was good um, um, he deserved uh, that man of the match performance I'm actually going to be greedy. I'm going to throw in a second highlight. It's mainly because about five minutes before we started recording, I watched the top five plays of the week. And uh, is it Anthony Beauregard? Oh, yes. What a goal. Sells it to the left-hand side, pivots slightly, drags it across the crease and just pops it into the empty cage. What a goal. Honestly, if you haven't seen it, 100% recommend. Watch the top five plays of the week. Revel about the fact that three of them aren't decent plays. And then watch the watch the number one goal uh, because honestly it is a beauty of a goal. I thought you were starting to sing "Stuck in the Middle with You." Then, well, you uh, never know. Stuck in the middle with you, possible. Um, <laughs> no, that was a, a fantastic goal. It was it's, it's worth watching a few times. I feel um, like we need Andy here for his uh, Gary Barlow impression. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, let's let's trust the uh, the Mank. Trust the Mancunian. Do you want to, do you want to give us a go, Gref? Not really. Sound. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we move on then from the highlights. We move on from the action on the rink over the last few weeks. We move on to the airport departures and arrivals lounge. And we have to say, whoa, we're not halfway there, but we're saying bye to Martin St-Pierre. Um, <laughs> you're all very welcome for that one. Um, Getting in all the sound puns today. I know, it's good, isn't it? Um <sighs> Yeah, the Steelers oh, have announced a one-in, one-out. We'll come, we'll come back to the one-in in a moment. The one-out is, of course, um, probably the most anticipated player coming into this season, uh, Martin St-Pierre. Dave, I have never seen you look so disappointed, do we? <laughs> I'm not disappointed. I'm disgusted. I think I'd rather have Baby Shout playing on loop at the moment. That's how disgusted I am. There's nothing, there's nothing you can say to that. I, I, I just... I, I, I failed you. <laughs> you did. You failed. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, but yes, yeah, Saint Pierre. Um, yes, back on topic. <laughs> I think he, not only was he f- for Sheffield, but also league wide. You look at the players signing the summer, and you go Rao, um, a few others, and then you go, yeah, Saint Pierre. The resume speaks for itself. Um, I know me and you, Joe, spoke a fair bit of time about. He's the one player you kind of go, I hope he starts producing more in terms of goals and assists because face-offs was a big thing oh, he put in. standing in the, in, the, in, the, in the face-off circle. And for me, he was just getting positions where others were. He was reading the play better. But he 
I suppose weren't producing the goods that someone with a resume needs to produce. He can't. I think he was on about eight and nine points in similar amount of games, league and cup. Which for a player of that resume, no, that's probably short what he should be. Um, now, one interesting thing, which let's get it out of the way, is that. Sheffield, when they announced that he was being, he was departing, and it was actually they were going separate ways on the end of a short-term contract. Which, for someone of that resume, you kind of go, "What? How is it? Why is it a short-term contract? What's going off here?" And there's been a, he- a heck of a lot of discussion uh, amongst amongst fan groups and saying, nah, "I'm sure is, is it a short term?" I mean, I don't know what your guys think. I, would would you expect a player like that to have come over on a short term contract? Generally, not. I can see the logic behind it from the club's perspective for wanting it and the player's perspective for wanting it. I think from a club perspective, we can only. <sighs> We can only speculate in terms of, well, A, we can only speculate whether he was or wasn't on a short-term contract. For me, you have to go on face value of, we were told he was, and, and that's it. But we can only really speculate in terms of what wage he was on. And I don't think any of us would expect anything other than for him to have been one of the top top wage earners for the Steelers. Without, without a doubt, he was going to be one of the guys that was earning the most cash. So, A, for me, having that kind of player on a short-term contract gave kind of the Steelers the easy way out if it then turned out that two months into the season he wasn't as good as expected. But B, and and this kind of seems a bit more logical to me given the fact that the Steelers also announced that Lemtigov was signed with a clause in his contract that he his contract wouldn't take effect until a certain date and that his, his contract would be automatically terminated if he received an offer from the KHL. So that's what was announced. So we, when we signed Lentigov, we'd had him signed apparently for a couple of months or so. If, you, if the whatever it was, the press release was to be believed, he'd signed a fair bit of time beforehand. But it was just that we were still in that kind of that limbo period where if he got an offer from the KHL, he could go. If we were trying to throw things out into contracts to make them more desirable for players of a, of a higher caliber, maybe for maybe for Saint Pierre it would have been a draw to come into Sheffield. If he sat there and thinking, actually, do you know what? I haven't had any offers yet. I'll sign this contract to Sheffield. It's a short-term contract, a couple of months of the season. We'll see what it's like, see what the hockey's like in Sheffield, see what the league's like. And if not, I'll pack my bags and I'll go. So I think logically on that side, I can see reasonings why. But I can also then kind of look at the other side and think, well, he was in all the kind of press releases for jerseys. He was he was very much used in the marketing, which a player of his calibre you would expect to be, but not necessarily a player on a short term contract. So I, I'm kind of I'm on the fence whether it was. I'm kind of leaning more towards it was than it wasn't, because I don't think it really saves any face. But I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I can see the logic behind it. He was. Jeff is an outsider. I can see it being it actually being a like short term deal. Like Joe mentioned there, it's probably not received any good offers, maybe, and he's thought, you know what? I'll give this a go. See what the hockey's like in the UK. I've just seen him 
what the Team GB is like at World Championships. Let's see what it's all about. And at the end of the day, gets it gets a gets paid to yeah, get an stamp on his passport. Yeah. UK been there, done that. Got the shirt with Saint Pierre on the back that I've got to get rid of because he's left. <laughs> get a replacement. Get a name bar. Name bar. <laughs> But I, 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 I'm kind of along with your guys in terms of it, it's, it could be one of the other. With the ever, with say they release the shirts and he's one of the people modelling it, you kind of go, well, you know, in other sports, if you are the one that's modelling the shirt, whether it's football, cricket, rugby, or anything, you go to the guys that are the stars that's going to sell, that's going to make the money, and the amount of shirts is you walk around the arena with Saint Pierre on the back. You know, job done, job well done by the Steelers. Um, but you still, again, you wouldn't have then thought, well, we'll, we'll have the guy who could believe in him of time doing all that. It didn't, don't, it kind of doesn't fit, if I'm honest. And it's, it's kind of, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to just say someone's telling them the truth because it's more than pos- possible that that's what's happened. But then on the other side, oh, sorry, sorry, my apologies, the other side of the coin, you kind of go, yeah, I don't add up. So. It's a shame because a play of that resume, you'd, you'd hope to see and hope to light the lamp and just entertain the whole season. That's a shame. But for one of the better phrases, you know, it is what it is now. It is what it is. I, yeah, I think I, I can't think of a better way to, to describe it. Um, I, I agree with you in, from a sense that it doesn't make sense in terms of jerseys and in being used in the marketing one of the other questions that's been used and I kind of guess it's, it works in a similar logic to kind of my argument to that is that people have said it wasn't publicised that he was on a short term contract and it should have been because it might have influenced fans in a decision as to whether or not to buy his jersey what what do we think uh, I'll uh, you guys before I put my idea I, I, I don't buy that whatsoever first of all I'm glad that the club Let's just go on the face value of like it was a short term. I'm glad the club didn't put that out um, because a you don't want to let your competitors know that someone of that resume is on a short term deal. You know, let's get someone talking to him in a way. Game in Nottingham. Yeah. Oh, can you just hold this headphone? Just put them on and get someone talking. That has happened in Sheffield before, many many years ago, mind you, um, where the player was in the opposition in penalty box and they were saying, "Who fancy change the scenery next year?" Um, so I, I don't buy it at all. And in fairness, people saying you could be influenced. Well, in fairness, you know, let's just look at the Sheffield fan base. A fair few who use, who use you know, online um, hockey, hockey dumb, as it were, are influenced by a guy who hardly goes to games on, on, a, on a forum. So, you know, a change of wind could probably influence people's opinions, if I'm honest. And there's plenty of evidence that, that would support that. So, no, I, I'm, I'm not of that opinion. Yeah, I don't think I'm of that opinion either. Just doesn't just seem something that will, your club would, would have to really publicise, really. Yeah, I mean, that, that, for me, I just think the end result, I don't think it makes a difference to the end result. It's not like we said, we'll have you on. It's not like when we signed the likes of like Ilpo Salmavertra or those types of players that we brought in like three players in the middle of a season 
on a month contract or um, what was the guy's name last year? Salikish. Uh, it's not like it's any of those players where we brought somebody in for a month because we've got injuries. You know, it's not a case of all right after a month we don't need you. Bye bye. I, I think you know the only reason that we've done this, I think, is as I say, is either to protect us just in case he turns up and doesn't put in the performance that we expect. Or to make it more desirable to him, just in case he's thinking, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's a short term, so if I don't like it, I can go. Either way, both parties are going into that contract with the intention for that to be extended. Aaron Fox said it in his press release, that he was on a short-term contract with the option to extend it at this point, and it's been mutually decided that we're going to go a separate ways. If, if that's the case, if he's on a, say, two-month contract with the clause in that after two months we assess it and if we want to, the contract can be extended, then both parties are going into that contract with the intention for that to be extended. Otherwise, there'd be no point in the contract. You would offer a trial a trial shift to a person that you weren't, off, you weren't thinking about employing. So, you know, for all intents and purposes, particularly with CV, there was A, no reason for the Steelers to believe that he wasn't going to be as, you know, he wasn't going to be good enough to keep, for us to keep on. B, there was no reason to expect that he wasn't, that he was going to want to leave part like after the two months. So as far as I'm concerned, the club have to go forwards with the intention of him being a full-time player for the full season. As it turned out, he didn't produce. He was probably one of the, the highest-paid players that probably did the least on the Steelers roster. I, I, I just think it's daft. I think it's sport. If, if you're really that fragile about having a jersey with an ex-player on, don't buy a jersey with a player on. It's, it's really quite simple. Because the bottom line is, if he was on a season's contract, if he was on a full-time season's contract, if he was not good enough, which he wasn't, um, we'd have sacked him. And if he got an offer from somewhere else or he didn't like it, he'd have gone. So what did, how is that any different to what's happened? It's not. If you, if, you, if you look at elite prospects, and if you believe the stats on elite prospects, as according to elite prospects, he's played five. Martin Saint-Pierre played five games this season. Matt and Ryan Rupert both played four by the time he got rid of them, and they were on full-time contracts for the full season. So I, I, I just don't think it makes a difference. I don't see why we should have publicised it. And as you said, the, what's, the, what's to stop if we see he's on a two-month contract? We're getting a month and a half down the line. What's to stop Nottingham, Cardiff and Belfast going, there you go, have the money, we'll have you on our team. We've seen your CV. Exactly. So, just that. But that's Martin St. Pierre. Um, no more puns to give on that one. Um <laughs> I don't have any puns to give on the next one, to be fair. One of the new Swedish, so I guess we could say the winner takes it all. Um, who knows? <laughs> knowing me, knowing you, Dave, you're probably not going to like that one either. Um, <laughs> fair play to you. You really, you're, you really are a super trooper at this, mate. <laughs> what can I say? Mamma mia, it's not very easy, is it? It's, diff- it's difficult to win your approval. Um, yeah, the Steelers have, of, of course, re- replaced Martin St. Pierre with Swedish forward Lucas Sandström. What do, you, what do we think? Well, he's clearly answered the SOS for the Steelers. Um, so I think he, he adds a bit of change dynamic to the, uh, the forward lineup. He's a bit more uh, of a two-way player, and his scouting reports suggest that he also he has a skill, likes to play the physical game. Now, we're not saying the fighting bit. We're not saying he's going to be a tough guy. But he's prepared to play that physical game, probably a lot more physical than Connolly. 
So it may just add a, a, a better dimension that the Steelers needed. And that's not saying that it was, you know, get rid of St. Pierre to give that. I think it just fell nicely that it's happened. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes on. Um, I think he's he's in the country in time for the game on Saturday, so uh, Gref will be able to uh, see him in the flesh. Sounds good. <laughs> but it's just to see what he's like here in Arban. I mean, Arban's like what? Apart from it being pretty small, it's. I think that he could play well in because, like, looking at his stats-wise, he's been getting a lot of penalty minutes over the last 400-odd games he's played in the Arsvenska. And that's probably just for really throwing the body around. And then, unlike your rig, where you've got, like, a little bit of space to move, in ours, it's pretty much... You don't really got much time. So, who knows? It could, hopefully, for you guys, you'll hope he'll do well. For me this weekend, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> I hope he, it takes him a little bit of time to get into the the British League. Personally, he doesn't look like he's going to be really like your top goal scorers. But he'll do well. Especially if he's on, like, say you put him in the same on line as, like, Alex Graham when he gets called up for a few games. And Kieran Brown. He'll be there to protect them. That'd be pretty decent for those guys to know they've got the protection there. Yeah, certainly a lot of dimensions to this signing. As you say, he's not going to be a top scorer. Uh, I mean, his stats aren't bad. Um, 468 games in the Alsvenska, 227 points, 98 of those goals. So pretty even split uh, in terms of goals and assists. 98 goals, 129 assists. Uh, minus 39 across 468 games in that league. Uh, 727 penalty minutes. Um, so certainly seems to like to agitate and take the penalties. Um, there's been a, a video or two of him dropping the gloves, so maybe he's going to be a guy that has a couple of scraps this year. I just think, you know, he's a good grinder player, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, you, you read the, the um, you read the, the bio about him on, on Elite Prospects, which often is pretty accurate. Uh, he says he skates very well and plays with plenty of intensity, technically skilled with good puck and stick handling, has some scoring abilities, but is more of an energy player who, despite his smallest stature, plays physical and has a mean streak. So he's going to bring a good element to the Steelers team. He's not going to be a goal scorer. Is that a bad thing? Is that what the Steelers are missing? No. I mean, Martin St-Pierre didn't exactly score many goals. He had five games, one goal, one assist. And the goal that he scored, to be fair, was a superb pass from from DeLuca across Crease and he banged it into an empty net. So, you know, he wasn't a top goal scorer. Nothing to say that he wouldn't have been, but without St-Pierre really contributing to the goal scoring, the Steelers have played three cup games so far, in which they've scored 12. And they've played five league games so far, in which they've scored 21. So they've scored, what, 33 goals in eight games. They're averaging just over four goals a game. We don't need a goal scorer per se. 
What the team lacks at the moment is some defence. So in this, we've got an energy player, a guy who's going to play with some physicality and some intensity. You know, maybe he can put a few in. Maybe he has a few fights. Gref, as you say, maybe he's there to protect the youngsters a little bit. And in addition to that, he's going to free up some wage. He's going to he's, he's going to free up some budget. We've got Aaron jo- we've got Aaron Johnson out apparently for at least a month. You know, we've already there's already press releases in the BBC and, and the Start that say that the Steelers are being forced back into the player market to sign injury cover for Johnson. And currently, we've got Eric Melland and Cole Shudra filling in on D. So we've all of a sudden gone from a top end player who's played NHL, AHL, Liga, SHL, KHL, every top league in the world, basically. We've gone from that to a good grinder that's played 400 games in the second Swedish league. They're going to be nowhere near as much money. So that, to me, suggests we've then got all that wage, all that budget that St. Pierre was taking up to throw at a decent demon. So quite a coy move for me, quite a, a decent player to, um, for, for what we needed, but be interesting to see how he goes on, to see if he takes more penalties than Connolly, that's my concern. He could uh, be like Tanner Eberle last year. He could be like Tanner Eberle. Tanner Eberle didn't come in with the best stats and he became a fan favourite. You know, But, it, but Sheffield don't like Swedish players. Sheffield don't like Swedish players. This is very true, but it, it, maybe they'll like Swedish players that aren't brought in by Paul Thompson. Every chance, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that a lot of people would have taken Freddie Westberg back last year. Or Marcus Nilsson. You know, Swedes have done a good job for the Steelers for a number of years now. And I think having this guy could be a good thing. I mean, to be fair, to be a fan favourite in Steelers, you need to, in Sheffield, you need to do two things. You need to skate from the starting whistle to the ending whistle. And you need to throw hits when there's a guy stood on the boards. You do that, and you're going to be a fan favourite in Sheffield. Don't matter if you bang 20 goals in. If you don't throw a hit and don't look like you care half the time, you're not going to be a fan favourite. Quite simple. So, and if you like a few tweets of fans as well, maybe you'll uh, you'll, you'll improve your popularity. So, hey, all, all about the like and retweet, yeah. All about the likes and retweets. We're a very social media propelled podcast on here. Um, or just a social media propelled fan base. Um, anyway, moving swiftly on before we delve back into social media, um, Dops have again been active, quite active to say um, we're only a few weeks into the season. Um, Brett Ferguson on Carlo Fenucci. Dave, what, what do you make of this one? Match bound for slew footing. I look at the video, probably about right. Um, first of all, well done in getting a judgment from the footage that was available um, and that's just a legit you know, that's not a Mickey taking one they've uh, because of the cameras and, and the layout in, in Guildford they don't have that many other angles so for them to be able to catch this angle to be able to define a punishment is a well done it's it's not the worst slow footing I've seen I've seen a lot worse I've seen a more dangerous but it's still slow footing nonetheless so I would say it's a fair call um, I'm, you know, I'm going to assume if he does it again that that becomes a repeat offender. So you're talking a minimum of four games. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how Dops have done that. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how they've done it. Like you've mentioned, the camera angle isn't the greatest, but with how they've worked it, even when you're watching the video as well, you can actually see it a little bit. It's it is pretty careless and it's pretty stupid to be fair. 
to be doing that. Especially when you're, in the, you're only in the first period. It's not like it's like a third period where you're trying to get probably one of their best players off their, off their game to stop them from taking an even bigger lead. Mm. Pretty silly. One game, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It isn't the worst sleuth what we've seen. It probably won't be the worst sleuth what we'll ever see. Yeah, I wonder if his favourite player is Brad Marsh, and, and he's, uh, he's 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 modelled himself on him. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't really add on what you guys have said. Well played by Dops. Um, even if you're one of those that like to slate every decision made by Dops, I think this is one where you've got to take a step back and, and actually applaud him because, the, as you guys have said, the footage was abysmal. Um, you could see the contact with the leg just if the, I mean they had to magnify pretty excessively to be able to see the contact but you can see the contact with the leg you don't really see the aftermath on the footage I've criticised Dops's use of the phrase careless a couple of times this season there's been a couple of bands where I've said that's not careless that's reckless there's, there's, they, they, he's not gone into that and gone oh so we've just collided and I've just carelessly left my knee in like the Brett Bulmer one I said there's no way that's careless because he led him with his knee he, he aimed for knee on knee contact that's not careless for this for me Ferguson on, on Fenucci is the definition of careless I think he's just gone in for a hit he's mislined up his hit he's trying to do something to get some contact so that he can stop the guy from making a break and he's ended up sweeping out his leg um, at the end of the day you've got two guys skating full pelt to try and either get a breakaway or to stop a breakaway uh, and it's, it's just unfortunately it's gone the way it's gone um, so no for full, full, full credit to Dops on that one I think the, uh, the right call um, we move on to one that I'm baffled we haven't heard from Dops on yet um, not, not necessarily any more than the fact that actually I think this is one that has to be reviewed because it was given a match penalty Um Belfast v Nottingham, Brian Ward on Jason DeSantis. What do we think, gents? Well, you saw a rare penalty in respect of a uh, match penalty for tripping. Um, I don't recall ever seeing that um, in any game I've watched. Um, looking at the replay, I think I think Dalton referees. I think he's got it spot on. Um, to me, it was reckless. Um, he, he's kind of, you know, tried going potentially knee on knee. Instead, his point of contact thinks the foot, and he's took him out. And it's just a horrible, just a stupid play. If I'm honest, I, I, you know, if you're going to hit the guy, he's going to be sent the circle. You know, you know, chest to chest type hit. Put him on the backside. Get the crowd involved. The next thing you've done, what you've you've made a hit, or you try to make it a hit, and you've actually taken not only himself out of it, but also yourself out of the game. So. It's just I watched them and I'm just like yeah that was just dumb. Mm. We're the most smartest of plays. Yeah, I don't think it's the smartest play anyway. It just looks like a brief moment of silliness really from from the Belfast player. You just you think he's probably gone in to probably maybe go for like a, a body check. Realised wait a minute I'm not going to do anything here. I'll just stick my leg out. Because at the last second you see him sticking his leg out. It's that that can... With that, it can also, like, injure yourself as well as yeah. injure that player. Exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It's just like a stupid move. Why would you 
you're one of, you're probably one of the better players on the team. Why would you do that? I don't even think it, the player DeSantis was it. I don't even think yeah. he is probably what a second line D for them. Yeah, yeah, really? So. Come on. <laughs> the bit that I like about watching the video, I mean, it baffles me that nobody does anything. A little bit like the Brett Bulmer hit on, uh, say, the Brett Bulmer knee on, uh, I think it was Lemtigov in the, the Steelers game earlier on in the season. Nobody bats an eyelid. And there's an, enough Panthers players around as well. So I think the mo- a lot of a few players that are going for a change. Um, there's a fair few people around and nobody seems to do anything. And I just think I mean, you've got a player intentionally leading in with the knee. Why aren't you? Why aren't you stepping in and doing anything? But the, the bit that makes me laugh is just behind the incident is Brett Bulmer, and he's he's got his back towards it. Turns round, looks just as it happens, and then turns back to the bench. And I just kind of wonder if Brett Bulmer turns round, looks at it, is thinking, "Oh, I'm going to go after him for that," and then thinks, "Actually, no, you can't really do anything about kneeing, can you?" And then just turns back around. Um, I think from a Dops perspective, if it was to be reviewed, I think I would go down the same line as what I say about the Bulmer hit. You can't say that's careless. The only actual part of that that's careless is, for me, there's a clear intent for knee on knee, and he misses knee on knee. Um, but for me, it's reckless rather than careless. It is de- he definitely intended to lead him with the leg. Um, the stupidest bit about this is, as you say, Gref, there's always a, a chance of injury on yourself with a knee on knee hit. The reason that the chance of injury is significantly less on a knee on knee with the with the the player that's causing the knee on knee is because generally speaking it's on a player that's skating with his leg straight and the player that's making the hit has got his knee bent, which is the reason generally that there's not as much risk on the player that's making the hit. If memory serves me right, Ward actually leads in with a with a with a straight leg. Which I just think is even more ridiculous because A, he could have easily blown his knee on the hit and B, he could have easily landed funnily or like gone over his leg and snapped his knee in the process. It's just, it's just all type, all kinds of stupid. That's, that's the thing I don't get. Um, for me, the ref got it bang on. I, I don't know, I don't know about the discrepancy between game or match. I could, I could see a reasoning for either. Uh, but I think the fact that there was some clear intent there for me for a knee on knee, I think has to be a match. Hey ho, uh, it, it, it's hockey. Um, but yeah, um, we'll move on from that. Then we'll move to the to our talking points, our points that we've kind of picked up to discuss over the last couple of weeks. Dave, I believe you had one to add about standing in hockey, uh, quite a taboo topic in Sheffield, uh, particularly if it's during play. Um, but that is another story for another day. Uh, what, what is it that you wanted to talk about, mate? Yeah, we don't want you doing your job and uh, get, getting caught full of abuse from the fans. Um, move us if they on. Uh, Cardiff, this Saturday against Coventry, they're going to experiment with a uh, standing-only block. Now, it stems from when they played Gratz in the CHL and their fans had all the flags and the drums all together. Uh, and they want to try and recreate that atmosphere, which in that building would be very helpful because it's not the atmosphere hasn't travelled well in the moves in the rinks that they've been had in Cardiff so for me I'm more for this I think it's fantastic I think it's absolutely marvellous that some British clubs are not only implementing it as a trial but also have the the fans and I think this is 
the big thing is getting the fans to understand that there's one cause or one purpose for this is to make an atmosphere is to make it the cauldron that Cardiff want it to be or you know regardless of whichever team that could be doing it if you look at the fan curves sort of standing areas of Europe they're huge they are populated men women children there's a lot of noise the flags face paints the job lot everything about it it's about an atmosphere and potentially if this works then you know maybe Cardiff even gets an atmosphere um well, we'll say it's, it's been, by the reason, a humongous logistical nightmare because they've offered fans in, this, in, the, in or around the block to go, if you don't want to be in there, we'll move you to a different seat. So I think fair play, Cardiff, for trying it. Fair play for the backroom staff for administering all the changes and everything. And it's one of, one of them that's going to be interesting to see just how it goes because if that works, maybe another team and then another team. And it don't know effects. Yeah, it's be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, you see it happen around the, the European League. So you, uh, we mentioned before we we, were, we started recording with was it Sparta Prague or is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, Sp- Sparta Prague. Yeah. Those kind of teams doing it, you you can hear that they they bring an atmosphere. I mean. Like in, well, Budapest, as I mentioned before, those behind the net were all standing, flags, drums, the lot, jumping around, making an atmosphere. It could work, but then it could also go horribly wrong. Be interesting to find out after this weekend. Yeah, fully agree. Um, like the move forward, um, I think to be fair, all three of us, if there was an option for a standing area or a terrace, I think we'd all be stood in it. Um, so <laughs> I like the idea. Um, it'd be interesting to see how it works for Cardiff. Um, I like, I like, I know for a fact that it wouldn't be something that would work in Sheffield, not only for the fact that, um, you know, it's a bigger arena and finding a place where it'd have that effect. Dave, you said before we started, the only place you could really do it in the arena would be those bottom blocks behind the net, um, which I yeah, fully agree. But the you problem is you wouldn't get season ticket holders moving. That's the thing. You'd have some season ticket holder going, I've been coming since 1991 and I'm not, why should I move from my season ticket seat for some people bringing a football mentality in? That, that, that would be the, very much the, the view. Yeah, it would, it would change. It would need a huge change in fan attitude to the whole concept of fan curves and music and everything. And I'm just not sure, maybe maybe not even in my lifetime, that that type of attitude would, ha- would change for yeah. this work at Sheffield. I just don't think it will happen. Can you imagine like a huge fan curve stood there, like banging drums, wall of noise, and then all of a sudden all of them just stand there and start doing Baby Shark? Don't really think it would work, would it? Um, the only thing that I will say is we very much live in a blame culture nowadays. Not necessarily a bad thing. Some of us work in that line of work and it's not necessarily a negative at all. Um, however, we live in very much a blame culture and I just, I wonder, you know, all it takes is fans stood all game. The seats are still going to, presumably the seats are going to be still there. They're not going to take all the seats out. 
you know, all it takes is for one minute, somebody to be facing the other way, talking to the mate, a goal goes in, somebody trips over the seat, goes, I, I, it's very much, a, very much a, a logical extremity, it's very much a pie in the sky suggestion, but all it takes is one person to fall, that kind of thing, and then all of a sudden everybody comes down like a ton of bricks, and it's where there's a blame, there's a claim, and all this rubbish. I, yeah, that's my only. That's my only thing. I'm not. I, I fully, fully in with it with Cardiff. Hats off for trying it. Hats off for, for trying to get that atmosphere going. I, I very much hope it works. Very much hope it works. Um, but I, that's the only thing that, in my head, I'm just thinking. All it takes is for one mishap, and it's so easy when you when when you've got a whole block on the feet. You you look at how the fans go at it in the, in Europe. You, you know, you look at the energy yeah. of that block. And, and nine times out of ten, it's on a terrace with no seats in the way. Nice big areas to be standing on, you know, not a two meter wide bit of concrete with a seat on on one bit and a seat lower down on the next row down. I just think all it takes is somebody to mis like misplace the foot or take a step back when they're facing the wrong way or to lose the balance when somebody scores and the whole place goes mad. I, I you know, that's that's my only. That's the only thing on the edge of my mind is that that could just bring a negative on this. But very much in support of it myself. Um, you know that being said, um, you know I, I, I said before we started, it'd be great to have like arenas like in Rungstead, right, where um, we went for the Conti Cup, and it was literally half the arena was was terrace and half the arena was seating, um, and it was brilliant because all your Older Steelers fans that didn't want to clap and drink and have a good time were sat on one side, and then the rest of the Steelers fans were sat on the other, was were stood on the other side clapping and um, and going mad. And some of us may have fallen over when the Steelers scored. That is not the argument that we're having. But <laughs> was it going to mention it? I um, of course you weren't. You did before we started, but that's not the argument. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that yeah, that's 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 my take. But I think it's, it's a great move by Cardiff. We'll just we'll just have to see how it pans out. Um, but Dave, you you had a second one. Today. You're the one that's brought us both topics of conversation. I did. I get the feeling this may be a bit more controversial. Yeah. What you're seeing more and more now, and it forms it's kind of like the staple diet of hockey debate. Oh, fifteen pound pizzas. Not £15 pizzas, £20. £15 pound webcasts. That, but not for this conversation. <laughs> it's, it's now the definition of a true fan. It's when people go, oh, you can't have that opinion, be a true fan. Oh, this is a, be a true fan. I'd rather use Bauer. <sighs> well, you know. I'll use Bauer. It's, it's, who decides what a true fan is? What is a true fan? Who is a true fan? Who decides this? You know, which person sits this and says, oh, this is the parameter for that? You or must just... have been watching since 1994. You must not attend the pub before a game. You must watch every second of the game and complain to anybody who walks in front of you. You must not say anything negative. <laughs> it's just... I don't understand where and or who, you know... Besides that, oh, that person, you're a true fan. Oh, you're not a true fan. It's like, well, how and where and why? It's just, it's 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 irritating me. From one, it's not it's not just grind begins. It's irritating because there's people using it as a, well, you're not a true fan. Well, who on earth for you to decide who a true fan is? 
Who who is it that gives you the right to go? You're a true fan. You're a true fan. You're not. Who? Ben Clark style. Ben was Ben Clark style. Shout know. out to Ben. Uh, one of our listeners. Um, just who who are these people? They're not a big true fan, but. But who, you know, who do you think they are to be able to say, oh, you know what, you don't buy 500 shirts a season, you don't go to every single game, you're not a true fan. Now, who, who's it to decide? The irony is half these people that make this judgment as to whether you, whether or not you're a true fan are also the people that are trying to bin off the Martin St. Pierre jersey because he played five games left and now he can't be ever worn again. I... It just, we touched on it a bit last week, uh, last episode when we talked about social media, and I said it's kind of been adopted as the true fan, the true fans against the happy clappers type yeah. argument. But I, you just see it more and more and more. And I, I got shouted at for it when we played Dundee. I had a load of people saying, "Oh, stop!" Well, not necessarily using the true fan phrase, but it was insinuated that because I'd said something negative, that the team had taken three penalties in the space of about ten seconds and shipped four goals on a penalty kill. That, that was horrendous. How could I say that? Why I'm just I should just support the team, and it's like, but I, you know, I want to see my team win. Not, I, you know, I support my team when they lose. But um, do you know what? The, do you know what the bit, the best part about it is? These true fanners, these people that determine whether or not you're a true fan, and one of their key, core, descriptive requirements is that you you are only have positive things to say about the club. You can't say anything negative. If I'm saying something negative about the club and I'm not going down the line of like what happened last year when Tomo lost a few games and the whole fan base turned, I'm not in any way saying that. I'm saying things along the lines of we're taking too many penalties. It's not good enough for a title contending team to be shipping three, four goals in six minutes or to be throwing away a three goal lead. These kind of things. The reason that I say that as a fan is because I want to see my team win. If you are a fan that is happy to see your team throw away a three-goal lead or lose in the first 20 minutes of a game, like we did against Glasgow. If you're a fan that's happy to see that just because you want to be positive about the club, then you actually don't theoretically have the club's best interest at heart because you don't want them to win. Because the whole reason I'm saying it is because it's not good enough because we want to be contesting for a trophy. I just, I just think that's the ironic thing. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're not only saying positive things, if you can't criticise a team that ships four goals in 20 games, say, in four games, in, sorry, ships four goals in 20 minutes, then do you want the best thing for the club? Are you a true fan? You mentioned the uh, fans wanting to, to see coaches losing. It's like, like the anniversary of the uh, the resistance, um, which was actually very recently. Um, yeah, it was, wasn't it on was it on the day that St Pierre went do you know it could have been I mean that's amazing timing that because I because I messaged you guys in the chat and said are we throwing are we throwing St Pierre under the bus because that was like the go to comment last year with Tomo was every single fan said let's get one we need to get rid of the Rupert's and then we got rid of the Rupert's and it was oh we're throwing the Rupert's under the bus and I messaged you guys, and you messaged me. But I'm sure it was then because you messaged back saying, "Oh, I'm on the birthday on the birthday of the um, of the resistance as well." Yes, yeah. Ah, oh, the resistance. I missed them. I yeah. Missed them. You know, guys, stop again, please. Give us something to talk about. <laughs> Give us something to talk about. Jeff, what do you think, true fans? Uh, there's only one true fan, and that's you, Joe. 
with the skates. True hockey and all that. I did think that when I said that to <laughs> Bauer, and then I thought, no, because I've got true skates, I can't say that. Is that wow. that? But yeah. on another note, <laughs> I don't really think tree fan is actually a real thing. If you're going to support your club, no matter if you got a bad word to say about them, because obviously, yeah, they give away silly penalties or they shipped four goals in like the first 20 minutes, which is pretty much lost in the game. Yeah. You've got, you've, you've got your heart there because you want your team to actually win. You're yeah. a fan. If you're there, you've bought a ticket, bought a t-shirt or a jersey with St. Pierre on the back that you can't take back now. It's You're a fan. There isn't an actual true fan because you're all there supporting the same thing. It's yeah. just a silly, silly word that someone's made up. It's the bit that irritates me. I've had it, I've had it said before. I mean, granted, I, I hold my hands up. I do a fair bit of fishing on the Orange Army group. You may have noticed, Dave. Um, I've not noticed notice once. Joined in. <laughs> Another discussion we're having. Well, do you know, like, like that kind of... I'll do, I'll do a fair bit of fishing, but in games... like I've commented in games where something's really frustrated me, where it's things like... I say, like the, like the Dundee one's my perfect example. We, we, we threw away a three-goal lead in the space of three minutes because of poor discipline and I said uh, that's all I said I said we need to take stop taking stupid penalties it's costing games so to have people then turn around and say you're not a true fan you're, you know or support them through thick and thin so hold, the, hold, hold the phone a second I've been a season ticket holder for in excess of ten years you know I've bought multiple jerseys probably more than I can count on two hands at auctions I put in Plenty of money into the club in 50-50s and shirt raffles. Gone to Belfast, again, probably enough times like that, I'd have to have three hands to count it at least. You know, we've been, like, you travel away to go and watch them play in Europe in Salzburg and Copenhagen. Granted, I didn't go and watch them in Grenoble and uh, Bolzano because that was my GCSE year, just throwing in that just to make they feel old. Um, <laughs> I was in Bolzano and, you know, that's fine. I wish I was, but um, but no, do you know like that? That's the bit that irritates me. I'm not I'm not saying that those things are needed to define someone as a true fan. Like I'm not I'm not saying that I'm a true fan because of that, and other people that don't travel to away games on. But I just think it's a bit of a Mickey take to be turning around to someone and saying you're not a true fan because you've said something negative, and then you look at it and go, hold on, you're supporting them across the across the continent. You know, you've you've put bags and bags and bags of money into support the team, but you're not a true fan because you said they were rubbish in the last game. Great, try just grow up. That's the bit. That's genuinely the amount of times that I've had that typed out and just deleted it because I can't be bothered with it with the, with the earache. Just, just grow up. Yeah, go with that. Anything else to add on true fans? Not for me. For you, Griff? No, no, I'm good. Soaring through this agenda. Uh, the last thing that we have before we head to predictions is a question from my dad. Um, he actually sent it to me about two months ago, so apologies that it's only just coming up, Dad. Um, but shout out because I know you'll be listening to this in the morning. Um, the question is uh, well, he's basically said, We talk a lot about needing to give Brits more time. We've obviously talked about it on the podcast saying what happens when this generation of Brit goes because we've not got a, a big. 
generation following, you know, particularly in terms of between the pipes. But across the board, we don't have players at the calibre of Robert Farmer, Jonathan Phillips, and the like. You know, so when this generation goes, what happens? We've talked about the need to give Brits more ice time. My dad says, should there be a cup? Well, should there be a tournament for Brits only? So no imports for Brits only to give them their ice time, then their time to shine. You know, then their time to develop. What do we think, Dave? Uh, it's yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, you've, you've, you've covered all everything I'd say. It's a rarity, but yeah, not much else to add. Yeah, I'd probably say that with the with the type of well, because it's going to be Brits only. Are we going to put like an age range on it? If we're going to like give them more ice time to improve. So like, you can have like, Alex Graham, Cameron Brown, Jacob Lutwich, uh, Finley Ulrich in Manchester, give them the ice time. Or are you just going to like, stick with the likes of, what, Matty Myers, Jono Phillips, Davy Phillips, or are you going to stick with that lot? I mean, because they are current generation, but they're not going to be in the next lot. Yeah, I know exactly, Dave. I'm going to throw it back over to you. I think you might want to. I think you might want to reassess your answer. <laughs> I was going to stay, stick to the answer because you know I've dug the hole um, and I've answered the wrong one. All um, Brit tournament. I think it'd be good. Do you remember the 2020 game? Yes. 2020 day. I think that would be good for that. Is it, was, that was at she, uh, Sheffield Arena. That was at Sheffield Arena, yeah. So you we, have had Dan, it, we had Dan Green in there. That Dan Green won it, yeah. Yeah, the only, one of the, the only time he won something as a starter. Mm. And you could play 4-4, four four, two lines, both teams, all, all teams even. Yeah, I think that could have you have it as your showcase? Showcase piece for British British talent? Maybe even invite a couple of the uh, the top end um EPL. E- oh yeah, yeah. EPL Mark Two. Yeah, I mean, how would you how would you run it? Oh, genuine question, because I think it's a good idea. Um I, the the idea's been bounced around with people before about doing it as the Challenge Cup and I just don't I don't think no. it works as a Challenge Cup. But I like the idea, of, I particularly like the idea of doing it like the 2020 where it was like a weekend. It wasn't like a long drawn out thing. It's not something where we're turning around to teams and going, actually, now you've got to fit in another 10 fixtures. But just to be able to say, right, this weekend, if you, if you did it like a playoff weekend, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend at this arena, we're going to have a tournament and these are the teams. How would you run it in terms of, would you, would you have it as like Steelers, Cardiff, Belfast, and they just use their own Brits? Would you have it where all the Brits are in a pot, you have four teams and they do a draft? The only thing I'm thinking is certain teams would have a benefit just on the players that they have now. And and the idea of the tournament would be to develop the younger players that don't have that experience, but actually then you'd be finding teams winning it based on the experienced Brits that they've got. So it might be counterproductive in that aspect, if you know what I mean. I think there's certain scenarios like the net-minded 
Yeah, well, that was the first example you, I was looking at. Look at bounds and whistle would I would have the advantage. I suppose. Name like Pavel Cantor, I'm sure he can pass off as British, can't he? I'm sure by the time we finish, he'll sound Yorkshire. Um, <laughs> but as British sounding yeah. as best girl of Arnie, but. <laughs> yeah. That'd um, be an interesting one. You'd have to maybe suggest those who don't play actual ice time. So, for the goals perspective, you know, Murdy or Dickinson, they're the ones that have to uh, to play. Um, Baums can almost be back up in case he's injured. Um, and I suppose it, you have to have you have to have a few um, criteria just to make sure that it actually is a not only a showcase but actually the opportunity for the British players and some British players from you know let's say you've got your ten teams invite some over. So let's say you know Manchester go. Do you know what Hull? We've got four of your guys. That I actually think you know what? Let's have a look at them. Get them playing in the systems. Steel, like, when Steel Coventry, dogs. like when Coventry did it with um, Jonathan Kirk from Hull in a couple of yeah. seasons ago against yeah. Steelers in two three way, Yeah, two way. Yeah, and, and do it that way. So you get you you broaden your your pot of players. Well, at the moment, you, you're probably looking at 15, 20 players, twenty five maybe a max. Um, if you do it that way, where you've got to expand and you can invite others in, you then broaden it and you go then to 45-55 that way you have a wider pool of players that play however much however you do the tournament whether you do the beginning of the season or whatever but then they are recognisable then you know if they're good enough they have a good tournament and then you can go right well, you know actually you've had a good weekend with us let's see what it is month for month let's have you on a two way and then they get into the whole club system whichever club it is so I think that it would need some significant priorities setting up. I would have said one day, but I'm thinking now more like a weekend. Mm. Kind of not, I'm saying more in terms of structure, but like the NHL All-Star weekend. Yeah. But I actually have games across both days. Instead of a skill set, have um, games across both, both days. And I think that would, if sold correctly at the right price, etc., etc., I think that would get an interest of people wanting to see their team. But with the Brits, seeing the new generation, seeing who will be the new, in Sheffield's case, who could be the new Jonathan Phillips, who could be the next Robert Dowd, in Nottingham's case, who could be the next Robert Lakovich, or who could be the next um, Matt Myers, Mark Richardson. You can go you know, around every team and, and all that. And I think that, if done and sort right properly, may just be, be a nice little fillet for the beginning of the season. What do we call the event, though? What, is it like, what, Brexit? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just take, take, take Back Control Cup. The Brexit Cup. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Protect Our Borders Cup. <laughs> Brilliant. We should go back down to the British Knockout Cup type thing. Though. We should have the British Knockout Cup. You could have some kind of reincarnation in terms of name for that. Could do. Possible. But how would we run it, though? I just say, like, forget about the rules per se as to how, what, what players you would define. Would you have it as 
the 10 teams in the Elite League have their own Brits or would you have it as you draft your players? I'd have, I'd have 12 teams. I'd, I'd invite two teams, have three pots, three pools of players. You register your Brits, but then you, you, you'd invite Brits from other teams um, who aren't involved uh, to play so that you'd have, mm-hmm. 10, you'd have 10 players on your roster, eight. So I'd go four and four. Um... No, that would probably be, you know, would you go three on three? Really short, snappy, fun games, and they've got all the ice to really showcase their talents. Yeah, add the add the difference and add the interest whilst still giving the experience and the yeah the showtime. Yeah, that's a good idea. Unless it turns into like a game of NHL threes where all of a sudden someone scores a goal and then grows three times the size, and then the next goal cost them four goals. <laughs> <laughs> The next one, you minus two goals. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like the idea. I think it's something that's bit. In fairness, it would even be something that you could implement in the off season. As I think. I, I think, think it'd be a good one for the beginning of the season. I think that'd be a nice fillet. Um, like, it, well, I'm just thinking from a perspective of ice times at a pre, ice times at a <laughs> generally, and also just on the premise of the Brits will be here training. Throughout the season, if any, I'd like I'm, when I say like off season, I'm not I'm not talking like July, but if we, you know, if you did it at say start to mid August, then you're talking just before pre season's probably starting yeah, to show I, head. That's when I that's what I think. I think that'd yeah. be the perfect time, Philip, for because people are you know can't wait for the hockey's back, and this would actually be a nice little thing um, where get all the teams involved and yeah. Yeah, uh, sounds good to me. I like the idea. That's a good question, Dad. Dad. I like, uh, give you that one. But I think I, I, th- I think we're all in agreement. To be fair, by the sounds that um, the idea, with as you say, with some restrictions and with some some regulations in place to make sure, um, I think we're all in agreement that it would be a beneficial thing to have. Um, I mean, you talk about like you say about goalies and with Ben Bounds and, and Jackson Whistler. In that respect, if they were allowed to play. It'd be a bit of a catch-22 for the likes of Cardiff and Nottingham, wouldn't it? Because at the end of the day, you reap what you sow. If they, you know, if they might Cardiff play Ben Bounds, it might then mean they end up winning the tournament. But do they prioritise getting the win and lifting the trophy over growing the next potential top British goalie for Cardiff? Because at the end yeah. of the day, once Bounds has gone, like Murdy's a decent enough netty, but Murdy's not not. You know, not that far behind bounds in terms of age. So you know, once they've gone, they've got nobody else. So it would be that kind of cap twenty-two. Do we go for the win, or do we go to grow the next British netty? Should be quite yeah. interesting to see no. which way they went if they had the option. But no, yeah. I, I think I think I'll be some of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say the bite that. Yeah, they could call it the My Fancy Zamboni Cup because it was first brought to brought to light in uh, on this podcast. Do you know what? I like, I like that even more. See, yeah, if anybody from the Elite League is listening, which I think is highly likely, because, um, you know, obviously such a popular podcast, I think, you know, there's obviously someone listening. So, yeah, get this, get this, get the My Fancy Zamboni Cup sorted. And in the meantime, me and Greff will stick to playing NHL 3s. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly on again, um, as I say, we've come to the end of the agenda, to be fair. We've got predictions left. Um, Let's see if we can keep up as high scoring of 60, 70, 80%. Um, 
we'll go straight into Saturday. We're intrigued to see which way Gref goes to see if he does his usual <laughs> go for go for his team because he's a true fan, or whether he uh, he goes against his team, isn't a true fan but causes it to win. Um, so two league games on Saturday: Nottingham v Glasgow in Nottingham. I'm going to say Nottingham. Nottingham. This is a hard one because Glasgow have hit the ground running in the last two games on away ice. But is this their, is their third road game in a row? Yeah, they, they only have beginning of the season. They normally have like a few weeks missing due to um, availability. Fair play. I, I've got to say Nottingham. I mean, three three road games and beating the two teams last week. Eh? It's got to be Nottingham, on it? Uh, Dundee Guildford in Dundee. Dundee. Guildford. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. Guildford. Uh, Manchester Sheffield in Manchester. That's a Challenge Cup game. Nearly said Conti Cup again then, but it's Challenge Cup game. I wish it was Conti Cup. Uh, Maybe make playoffs first. Well, yeah. <laughs> Small things. <laughs> Every little helps. Definitely. Tesco across the road in the rink. But yeah, I think I'm going to go the same way I always do. I with Manchester being at home. I'm going to say Manchester. I can Ooh. never go. I can never say Sheffield. We just did. If, if, if we're splitting hairs. <laughs> I haven't got many hairs left. Good answer. Good answer. Hairs or teeth? Both. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, go on. Sheffield or Manchester? Sheffield. Obviously, this is a... I'm, I'm split on this because Manchester play well in their barn if, it's, if the fans get behind it. They generally get a good attendance at Steelers games. It was, what, 2-1 last game? Yeah. But then again, we outshot you guys something like 47 to 15. Um, I, I, it's got to be Sheffield for me um, but if Matt Jin stands on his head and doesn't try and win another Oscar uh, then maybe we'll get there but my god I have never seen a goalie go down from a one hand on a stick tapping him across the cage before but you know that's a different discussion for a different day um, Cardiff Coventry in Cardiff Challenge Cup again Cardiff Cardiff yeah I think Cardiff's going to get revenge uh, yeah likewise um, Belfast 5 in Belfast Challenge Cup again final game on Saturday Belfast Belfast and Belfast um, then we move to Sunday league games Steelers v Cardiff in Sheffield Cardiff Cardiff in overtime or shootout or regulation <laughs> Do you know what now? Was it Sod's Law? Cardiff for winning overtime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say Cardiff as well. As much as I'd like to see Sheffield. Um, I always think, think think negative and then any positive will be surprising. Um, Nottingham v Glasgow in Nottingham. League again. Nottingham. Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham. Uh, Coventry, Manchester in Coventry. Manchester. You like that little kid on in between us? It's your Manchester, Manchester. Manchester. Uh, Coventry. 
Yeah, I think Coventry in the sky dome. Uh, Guildford, Dundee, and Guildford. Guildford. Yeah, Guildford. Yeah, likewise again. Full out on Guildford. Uh, five Belfast in five. Challenge Cup this one. Belfast. I think this could be an overtimer, but I'm not going to predict it. I do think it could do. Uh, but Belfast. <laughs> Hold on, I'm not going to predict that, it. I'm, 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 I'm not going to say that's the table. I'm not going to say that it's going to, but it could. Be, it's this type of game that I can see going to overtime. <laughs> I'm not going to predict it. But I think it's going to do. So. My, my prediction: Belfast win. That's my prediction. But I can all see this is the type of game that could end up going to overtime. But I'm not going to. I'm not right. going to. Belfast and underneath alright maybe overtime possibly potentially every chance it's written there for you mate just in case (laughs) Um, yeah I'm going to go Belfast as well regulation I don't give specifics (laughs) I'm 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 not accurate enough as it is Um, yeah so so that's the that's the game you are and what about predicting? Hey, there we go. 24, uh, 24 goals, points in 11 games, mate. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, that, that's what, that's all of the games. Thank you, Dave. Silent, silent applause. It's the best type of applause. Um, is it? <laughs> 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 maybe, well, to be fair, maybe some of the, the fans that have been going since 1991 that don't like any type of noise, they might agree. But hey uh, yeah, that's all the games for this upcoming weekend. We'll see how right we are. Um, all being well, we'll be doing a podcast next week, um, even if it's only a short one, if there's not much to talk about. However, that brings us to the end of the agenda. We don't have Stafford here for a Stafford story. Uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, I, I, I get the film we're going to get a few next week. I, I, I suspect we may, need, we may need to vet them, though. Yeah, we may need to like have first viewing just first to make sure they're appropriate. Um, however, I have a question to ask. Did did we have we we asked the question? Oh, hold on! Before I go on to the question, we had some polls on on social media, and I, I just thought I would share the results. Are there um, people that were wrong? No, no, we did not. Hence the reason I'm sharing them. Um, first, we asked if Cardiff would make it through to the next round of the CHL. Um, it's about fifty-one percent on Twitter and Facebook said yes, so a majority saying yes. For Cardiff, Belfast, the question was asked again, will they make the next round of the CHL? Uh, that was more um, of an overwhelming majority that said no. I think about 63% said no on that one. Uh, we asked, is a Jaffa cake a biscuit or a cake? Gref and Dave both said biscuit. Gref and Dave were both wrong. Uh, we got a, a, a nice majority saying cake on that one. Uh, but I do have to say, not every poll is correct. It's just a disclaimer, because we asked the question, would you rather have Red Velvet or Victoria Sponge? And the answer given by the majority was Victoria Sponge. And I just have to say, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. What are people thinking? What on earth? What, what, what do people want out of life? You know, I'm, what, not knocking the, I'm, not, Red I'm not knocking the Victoria Sponge, don't get me wrong. And people normally know that I, I don't knock cake anyway. Now, come on, guys. If you get a choice between Red Velvet and Victoria Sponge, Red Velvet every day of the week on Sundays. It's why some people just allow nice things. Like Red Velvet. <laughs> exactly. Let's put it this way. 
more red velvet for us. And I'll, I'll, I'll take the positive from that. Every cloud, I, I, I like I, that positive. I, I like it, yeah. The positivity, I like it. That is a true fantasy cake. I like it. it now, I'm going to throw out another food poll just because <laughs> I'm loving the way that we're having a food poll every time. So, just and again, just like the cakes, just to keep it specifically hockey-related, would you rather see your home venue sell pork pie or sausage roll? Oh, easy. I suspect there's going to be more of a majority on this, but I've just thought of it on the spot. So e- Easy. You got your answer? DeGreff, you got your answer? Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. Dave? Pork pie. Oh, I see. Okay. Gref? See, I was going to say sausage roll. See, I'm with Gref on this one. I'm going to say sausage roll. Now, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Because either, you know, again, I don't, I'm not the type of person that would decline either. But a pork pie and a pint goes well. Sausage roll and a pint goes well. Food and a pint goes well, I know. However... I was going to say. An, an old job of mine actually used to sell pork pie with a pint. Pork Never scratchings s- and a pint go well, and that tastes like you're eating marbles. You must be eating the wrong pork scratchings, then, mate. <laughs> well, yeah. Damn it, they gave me a pack of marbles. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm, no, pork pie. Pork pie. So we've got two for sausage roll, one for pork pie. We will, uh, we'll put the pork on social media again. We may even get an answer from Andy so we can let you know what he says as well. If not, is he back next week? Monday. Mon- so he's back next week then? Is it, yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> that was hard work. No, I answered the question. You regurgitated information. You got a good answer. It's fine. <laughs> so we'll get Andy's response either on social media or we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have it next next episode. Um, the last thing that we, that we asked on our last podcast... Um, following the Stafford story, so we've got that link, was about pranks. Did we have any pranks that anybody has? has have you guys thought of one? Because it was kind of sprung on us by Andy. Have you guys thought of any? Have you been told of any? I was told of one. You was told one. Okay, so Gref's been told one. So in lieu of today's Stafford stories, we have Gref's gift of the gab. <laughs> See, you're not disappointed in that one, are you, Dave? So, for today's Gref's gift of the gab. Every dog has its day. Yeah, well, can't argue with that. Gref, go for it. This one was from Joe from Belfast. She, oh, yeah. She messaged saying she filled a guy's shoes with water at a party and then put them in a the freezer and froze them. I'm going to presume at this point they weren't on his feet. Um, yeah, probably not. Uh, that, that would be quite funny. It would have been really funny. That's... <laughs> he apparently wasn't very happy when he was having to walk home with heavy shoes. Well, to be fair, he, he, he was down with the idea at first, but then he got cold feet. <laughs> oh. Come back, baby shark. Cole's forgiven. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. My response isn't appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> um, I've not, I've not remembered a, um, a prank, but I did see one um, during the Rugby World Cup. Um, the the Georgian team 
warming up against uh, Wales, and they got one of their big unit guys to pick up his shirt from the from the box um, that was outside of the changing room, which, unbeknown to him, was one of the other players was in the box. So as soon as he um, opened the lid to get his shirt, the, the guy jumps up, and this kid, he's probably about 17, 18 stone, legs it. Absolutely just out of his skin, just legs it. Um, so that's that was a funny one I saw this week. Brilliant. I I, I heard one. It's not it's not quite as on the same scale, but I heard of, um, when when Mark Andre Fleury left the Penguins, went to the Vegas Golden Knights. So Fleury was known for being like the prankster of the team. Yeah. And uh, when Fleury left the Penguins, he managed to sneak his way into the Penguins locker room in their first game back, uh, while the the, the well the Penguins team were out on like off ice warm up. Um, or whenever, wherever they were before they got there or whatever he got to the rink early I'm not entirely sure of the details but he basically he got Malkin and Crosby's jerseys apparently um, like tucked the cuff of the jerseys into the sleeve and tied a knot in the cuff so that when Malkin and Crosby put their arms into the jerseys they couldn't get their hands through the sleeves so they were just kind of stood there trying to get their hands through the sleeves um, I'm not really sure how far it went or how well it worked, but um, oh, that was that was what I heard. I can't remember the exact details, but it was something along those lines. I thought it was quite funny. Um, but yeah, no, that's fine. Then we end today on Gref's Gift of the Gap in lieu of Stafford Stories. So, um, you know, every cloud, we've we've now got a new, a new title for it. Um, but no, we should be back next week with Stafford Stories. Uh, all will be vetted to ensure appropriateness. Don't worry. <laughs> we are picking up the children. We are thinking of the children. Um, that is our opinion that it should be kept that way, and we are not willing to discuss our opinion because it is, because it is our opinion. I'm not going down this line again. Um, on that note, um, if you want to get in touch with us, ask us any questions, tell us what you think to the podcast, tell us any more pranks that you've you've heard of or seen or done yourself. Uh, it's at MSM Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Let us know if you'd rather have a pork pie or a sausage roll. And um, yeah, until next time, Dave, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you very much, Gref. Thank you for those listening. Um, yeah, well, next week, band is back, and it'll be no doubt the carnage will commence. Correct. I, I suspect we're well, due another delirious Thursday, aren't we? So I suspect next, next week might be. Uh, yeah, we are actually, yeah. We've had a couple of weeks where it's been very timid. Yeah, I don't think it'll be next Thursday. It wasn't timid last time, to be fair. It was just social media and the instigator penalty. That was just all bar- firing on all barrels. Oh, that's, that's just people being stupid. Firing all cylinders. Cylinders, not barrels. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, I understand yeah. what you meant. That's the worst thing about it. I'm glad that's the good thing. Um, Gref, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Thank, thank you. you to Dave and to everyone listening. Yeah, well, thank you very much for sharing your gift at the gap. It was it was either going to be that or gossip Greth, but I, I nearly went with gossip Greth just because I like the fact that it resembled Gossip Girl, and I just thought that was quite a funny resemblance to Greth. Um, but and then I thought Greth's gift at the gap just came to me, and I just thought that was that was the one. Um, but yeah, no, anyway, cheers for that, Greth. Thank you, uh, everybody listening. I'm going to stop talking now, um, and we will uh, see you in the next episode. So thank you, thank you very much. <laughs>